0: What's up, background check family? Listen, I had the privilege of sitting down with the one and only Nia Cotton for her show, Off The Record. I was the one being interviewed this time, and we had so much fun. She didn't hold back with the questions, though, as she did a background check on me. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. I believe your background shouldn't hold you back, it it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and and not be afraid to say, go go ahead, check my background. My name is J. Dan Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know, let's go, you can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. Nah, you can bet. Back. You are tuning into Background Check. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Background Check. I'm your host, J. Dan Gum, and the founder of Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. And Background Check podcast is brought to you by Forgiven Felons. Check us out on the web at ForgivenFelons.org. And if you have a loved one in prison who needs a halfway house, we, we got you covered. Just go to the website, go to the house page, download the application packet, all three documents, and send it to your loved one and have them send it back. And we would look forward to helping them get back on their feet. So, hey, we got some announcements coming up for forgiven felons. Uh, put this on your calendar. November 21st, Saturday, November 21st, 5 to 7.30 p.m. is our Thanksgiving dinner. Okay, we're going to be giving thanks for a lot of things. We're going to have current residents, former residents, Lots of people, vol- prison volunteers, so come on out. Uh, we're going to provide the turkey and dr- drinks, and you bring the sides and desserts, okay? Make sure you bring a side so we don't just have turkey and desserts. But there is a prize for the best side dish and the best dessert, okay? We'll also celebrate birthdays. Also, it's a little ahead of time, but Christmas party, put it on your calendar Saturday, December 19th from 5 p.m. to 7.30. We're going to have lots of caroling, singing, food, uh, just some some giveaways, celebrating birthdays again, especially Jesus' birthday. But put those two things on your calendar, Thanksgiving and Christmas. All right, background check. What are we doing here? What are we doing? We, we want to inspire you with stories of people who have risen above their background and did not let their past define them. We also want to inform you with other programs. We've had some reentry programs, some recovery programs that are going on. We've had judges, parole lawyers, but then we also just want to motivate you with some really great guests. I've done pretty much nothing but interviews so far, but I feel a solo episode coming soon. So get ready, get ready, get ready. But today I wanted to play an episode of off the record, a show hosted by my friend, Naya Cotton. She graciously invited me to be a guest and asked me some great questions. She is an amazing woman, awesome wife to a pretty stinking cool guy named Roy. She's a strong, creative, a passionate worship leader, and a great friend. She did not hold back with her questions as we talked about my story, politics, religion, and how she noted that I speak a lot of different languages. And I'll touch on that in the final thoughts. So here we go. Welcome to Off the Record on Background Check.
1: Guys... This is another edition of Off the Record with your girl, Naya Cotton. We have had such a great time. You guys have been tuning in to all of our conversations, and today is no different. We're having a real honest conversation with somebody who I thought I knew. But clearly, according to our pre-interview, I don't know him at all. (laughs) This is my friend, my brother. Uh, He is a man of God. He is... A husband to the dopest, flyest woman ever, Jessamy Gum. They have two beautiful girls together, Gemma and Jessalyn, who are going to be stars in their own right. He is a founder. He's a podcaster. He is incredible. This is Jaden Gum, everybody. Give it up. Studio like, audience. <selves> <��itquele>
0: what a great introduction. <sighs> ooh, ooh. I'm looking for that person.
1: <laughs> he is everything. You already. he's t- his sto- He has stories unlimited, okay? And so I'm just kind of blown away by a conversation we just had that you guys are not privy to just yet, but uh, welcome.
0: Thank you, thank you.
1: Our, you have uh, had
0: some stars on this show, so it's just, it's awesome <laughs> that uh, I get to follow uh, in the footsteps of, of the people you've had on before.
1: We had some good, so, we had Pastor, we yeah, had Pastor Becky, Becky. We had Carla Paula. Evans, who will, you had on your show. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute, his podcast. We had Robert, Robert Madu. Madu.
0: And then me. And then you have to have a token felon on your show. No. And so,
1: <laughs> token that's me. felon, the number of grace. Isn't five the number of grace? <laughs> number five, Jaden Gum. Y'all, this man is incredible. We're going to talk a little bit about his story, which I'm sure you told thousands of times. Are you tired of telling him? I'm
0: not. No. Because it doesn't it's more about Jesus than it is about me. Okay. So Oh,
1: I have a question already. But oh, what he also is, he's my translator. When I take off my earrings, he lets the whole church know what <laughs> what I'm that's doing. That's right.
0: That's right. Y'all,
1: there was I don't know how to even say this, but there was a message going forth, and there was an example that was set forth. I took off my earrings. Nobody knew why I was doing it except for Jaden, who then comes up to the front and is like, "Y'all missed it." Yeah, what she means yeah. is because he she was has talking about have,
0: talking about you know people having his back. Yes, and and he turned around and asked you, and "Now I you went, got my back?" And
1: I went like this. And he turned around, back around too soon.
0: Me. But she turned. She took her earrings she off. My earrings off. And 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 I know what that means. Yep. I know what that means. <laughs> so, so he
1: translated. Me, Which I, I think is a great segue anyway to what you do. You are an incredible translator. You are um, somebody who speaks a lot of different languages and is able to uh, make it clear to those of us who are not as fluent in certain languages to understand that there is more in common than there are differences. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate that um, from you. Jaden is, oh gosh, you just said something that that I wanted to talk about. Um, It's more of a story about Jesus than it is about you. And I know this is like a, we're like building up the anticipation, y'all. You can see from his shirt what we're about to kind of talk about. We're talking about um, felons. We're talking about the criminal justice system. I have a a lot of questions. And I'm not going to make you the authority on everything legal. But I I do have some questions. Um, But why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so hard for us to tell the story that Jesus wants to tell through our lives, whether it is um, being locked up, whether it is struggling with addiction or promiscuity or homosexuality or, 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 or. Why, why are we still so tight-lipped about our story, you think?
0: You know, I, and I get a lot of flack from the felon, felon world about being too open sometimes with my past hmm. and everything I've done, you know, cause there are some guys that come out and they want to, they don't want to, totally. they don't mind sharing about Jesus, but they're not going to talk about their crime, what they did. And I get there's, there's some sensitivity to some crimes that yeah. uh, you just have to yes. use logic. Uh, I get that. But uh, luckily I, I have DWIs. I just got mm-hmm. drunk and drove a mm-hmm. lot and mm-hmm. they said, you're going to put you in timeout. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like God allowed me to have that nonviolent, you know, kind of, Almost, almost like when people look at me, they're like, you go to jail for yeah, drinking like and driving? It. Uh, and so <clears throat> if you do it that many times, see, I go all in. There's something about me. I, I'm an all in guy.
1: Okay, all or nothing. All right.
0: and, and I'm an overachiever. <laughs> and so I'm going to keep getting DWIs until you Until, until you, you, tell you stop, me me. To stop. Until you stop. <laughs> and that's what they did. They told me to stop. But, you know, it's, it's hard because I'm, when, sometimes when I'm talking to people, that maybe don't have a criminal background, mm-hmm. but still have a problem with recidivism. Mm,
1: that's a big word. See the
0: word recidivism it originally was a medical term, okay. but we applied it to the criminal, the criminal justice world. Okay. Recidivism in the medical sense was used when it talked about um, a, a, a disease. So your body is returning to an old pattern of sickness. Mm. recidivism it's returning to an old pattern but it was a medical term before it was anything else okay and and so i think that the church and the world but mm-hmm. mostly the church mm-hmm. has a recidivism problem mm. because you come back but then you go back i i, I was recidivating way but Reci- way <laughs> before i went back to prison Recidivate. you know and yeah. and but i think that the main reason people are scared to tell their story, whether they've been to prison or even in church, whether it's a struggle or addiction that they want to keep hidden, uh, because because that's that's probably more common than anything.
1: Yeah,
0: is is the church? And I grew up, I grew up Baptist. I grew, then I changed Pentecostal. So so I know all the struggles. Yeah. I know the Baptist struggles. I know the yeah. Pentecostal struggles. I know them all.
1: Yeah, they are very unique.
0: Yes, they are. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm just like you know, it's it's tough because. I don't think full transformation can come without transparency. Come
1: on.
0: And and the thing about it is the word transform, you can't spell the word transform without the word the letter to the words storm in them. And so for someone to be fully transformed by the renewing of your mind is somebody who's transparent and has been through some crap.
1: Come on. Okay, 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 okay. So many as you're talking. We haven't even told a story yet. We're gonna get there. I promise. Um,
0: That's what I love about the show is because you, you you obviously don't prepare questions at the beginning and give them and Mm-mm. it's everything's off the off the cuff from the hip and I love them.
1: Listen, I okay. One of the things I I love about AA Alcoholics Anonymous is, and this could be um, a point of debate. Is that they say, and they keep it at the forefront, what the issue is, right? right? My name is so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. My name is Naya, and I'm an alcoholic. And I struggled at first because growing up in the church, it's like, no, you don't claim that, and you're transformed, and you know you leave those old things behind and press toward the mark. But I love the fact, in your testimony, and your story, is you talk about how God kept that at the forefront, but then... Uh, qualified it with an adjective. Can you yeah. talk about that a little bit? Yeah,
0: yeah. So the reason you know we're called Forgiven Felons, it was a mindset change before it was the name of the ministry. And so I'm sitting there in prison in a cell, and, and I'm like, God's already deposited. I've already been serving the Lord. I flipped the script from being discipled to being the discipler, and he's just growing me like crazy. But then one day I'm in my cell, and I'm like, okay, God, you, you want me to do these. You want me to preach. You want me to open this house. You want me to do all this stuff. But I have this word that's attached, this label that's attached to me that's going to be attached to me the rest of my life. It doesn't matter whether I get my record expunged, there's still a paper trail
1: yeah.
0: of the expungement yeah. that's labeling me this felon. And I said, it would be so much easier
1: mm-hmm. if you would
0: just somehow take remove this, take mm-hmm. it away. You know, uh, can you do that? And he said, he said uh, in, in, in only a way that God can lovingly say, no. I'm yeah. not gonna take it away," he said. "I want you to embrace it," he said. "But just because you embrace something doesn't mean you have to let it identify you." And so I'm like, "Okay." And people think because they embrace something that they're they're letting that identify them. Mm-hmm. Just like if they if I embrace that I'm an alcoholic, right? Some people are like, "No, you're identifying yourself as an alcoholic." No, I'm not. Right. I'm embracing the fact that that's my struggle. That this
1: is a struggle. That's my
0: struggle. And so, uh, because here's the thing, you know, when he says. When Paul says in Second Corinthians twelve nine, you know, I boast about my weaknesses. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's
0: I'm an alcoholic. That's my weakness. Yeah, because in in my weakness, his strength he is made perfect. So if you're not willing to admit your weakness, if not willing to admit to say it, then he can't. He can't. He can't make that into a strength.
1: I so, just, and I think maybe this is the reason for this today, because we can go down a lot of different paths yeah. with you. Well, let me finish story. that yeah, one. Yeah, please go.
0: Because because what he did was he said, he took me to English class, mm-hmm. and he knew I hated English. So, so he said, he said, I want you to embrace it. And he said, the word felon is a noun,
1: mm-hmm. person,
0: place, thing, or idea. You can't change the meaning of a noun. Mm-mm. But... He said you can change the way you look at that noun. You could change the perspective of that yes, noun by sorry. putting an adjective in front of it. Hair, okay? Hair is nondescript, but if you put an adjective in front of it, blue hair, blue. Crazy hair, crazy. Gray hair, no hair, blue hair. The Not adjective, hair. the adjective in front of that noun changes the way you look at the at the word hair. Yeah. And so he said, I'm going to put an adjective in front of your your noun and from this day forward don't don't look at yourself as a felon. This adjective is going to change the way you look at that word, mm. and 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 you're going to be a forgiven felon from here on out. So,
1: I I I think that is so weighty for us too. I would love to see that type of transparency in the church. And do you know
0: that? Let me yeah. tell you this: When no. I went on the Huckabee show,
1: he would, listen. He's a star. He's been on the Mike Huckabee show.
0: I do you know him. that I got a I got an email from um, Prophetess Evangelica. That was her name? That's a prophetess, Uh-oh. evangelica. She didn't give her last name. Okay. Um, I'm, that's, I'm sure that's that's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> and so she said, "You really need to think about quit quit calling yourself felon. Mm-hmm. I know I heard you explain it on Huckabee that it's the forgiving, change it, but 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 I think you're just you're you're you're, you're claiming that still over mm-hmm. your life. And so what I explained to her lovingly in another email
1: mm-hmm.
0: was that Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins. Yeah. He became a felon. He was the original forgiven felon. He had scars in his hands and his feet. When he came back from his from, from death, yeah. don't you think that it was possible that, that God could have removed those scars? Could have.
1: Could have. Yeah. Could have.
0: But he chose to leave him in.
1: Preach, sir.
0: He chose to leave him in as a as a reminder of the struggle, of the past, of, hey, this, and you know what? If those scars hadn't been there, they'd have lost a disciple. Mm -hmm. Thomas. Come on. So sometimes our past, what we've been through, may just need to save one person.
1: So that's all for today. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. If we if we had more transparency, it is not our story. It is the story of Jesus. Through us, he right. want. There's an entire sphere of people. There's an entire area of the world that is connected to your willingness to tell it all. And yeah. now, in wisdom, right, and and not to just because everybody's you can't trust. But I think if we let go of the fact that it's us and our story and that pride, right. Right. the people that can, and that's what the world looks for. Because what they that one of the criticisms of the church is You guys think you're perfect, and you you're not the same. You don't go through. Yes. I got struggles today. I got struggles now. And maybe we'll talk about them on another episode. But we need to be honest about them. And so people's deliverance is 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 connected to it. So can you, okay, maybe like a 35-second rundown. What is your story? And then I got some questions.
0: I grew up in church. My We moved here to Trinity in 1981. I was in junior high. Set the school on fire? I wasn't, not spiritually? I
1: wasn't born yet. not, not spe-
0: born. You weren't even born, born in 1981? I was born in Ooh, 83. man. <laughs> wow. Just
1: wanted to add that in. Wow. Love you so much. Right. Keep going.
0: Yeah. It, you know, I'm going to be 50 in January, Come but on. people say I don't look
1: it. You so, don't. so,
0: junior high, I set the school on fire. Not spiritually, literally set the school Trinity. on fire over there uh, elementary. Across the street. Yeah, uh, back, you know the old house portables? I do. Those. And when they were over there, you I set... I I set the field by those portables on fire, and, it, and the fire came underneath the, almost blew everything up. Okay. Uh,
1: no condemnation.
0: Ju- sophomore year in high school, I got kicked out of Trinity for mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought that was going to be my opportunity to go to public school because I always wanted to go to public school. Okay. Never been. Uh, but, no, she put me in Christway Academy in Duncanville. Okay. Uh, two months later, I got kicked out of there for drugs and alcohol. Uh, thought I was going to okay. get to go to high school, DeSoto High School then too. Uh, but, no, she put me in summer school okay. at a private school. And uh, she just kept, I mean, they just kept forcing this private school thing on us. This Christianity, this religion mm. kept forcing us And I didn't want it. I didn't want it. But I used it to my benefit.
1: How so?
0: Awesome. Uh, because, you know, if you raise your hand a certain way and you smile a certain way and you say certain things, you know, you, you, get, some, you get some blessings and favor come your way because There's they don't true. know that you're faking it. Uh, so I was, I, was, I was good. I was a good actor. I was 50-50 all the time. 50% in the world, 50% in the church all the time. And went to college, majored in Jack Daniels. I don't know if you've heard of that co- that, that course.
1: <laughs> Come on.
0: <laughs> lot of late night studying, yeah. uh, research on Learning the, the midnight yes. oil. Yes. Uh, and then I dropped out of college.
1: Okay.
0: Came back, worked at a restaurant in the bar area. Okay. Because I'm an alcoholic. At mm-hmm. this point, I'm an alcoholic.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: and th- at this point, I start getting... PIs, public intoxications, uh, minor in possession because I'm not 21 yet, mm-hmm. and then and then when I and then when I turn 21, I go all in because I can at that point, mm-hmm. you know, and then I get my first DWI in 1993 on a Friday night, and then the following Tuesday I got my second DWI, mm. and then a year later, December 16th, 1994, I got my third DWI. Okay. And December 16th, 1994, nobody bailed me out of prison or out of jail. So I stayed in there and I stayed in there during Christmas. Mm. And that was, that was hard. Um, I got to see my, my older, my, my older sister's little girl who was born December 8th. I hadn't seen her yet. And so the first time I saw her was through plexiglass. And that was the first time I realized that my choices don't just affect me. They affect mm. everybody around me. Mm. And then I, I, I kind of come back to the Lord in 1995. I talked to Tim Ferguson, told him I got all these DWIs. What do I do? He said, turn yourself in. Turned myself into Bill Humphrey, summer of 1995. Did three months in Dallas, two months in Tarrant County.
1: What's Bill Humphrey?
0: Bill Humphrey, is, is uh, he's the police officer that, go, that used to go to church okay, here. Okay, uh, retired. Uh, okay. Retired, he's retired now. But anyway, so I turned myself into him and, and, and he, uh, of course he couldn't actually arrest me because he was a friend. So. Mm. I did uh, two years. I was all on fire for God for two years. I mean, I was. It was all, almost all in. Ninety nine percent, ninety nine percent. The one percent of my life that I did not want to yield to Christ was my cigarette smoking.
1: Okay.
0: But I, I hid it from everybody. I didn't, I didn't do it that much. Mm-hmm. But. And I was up here, I was doing some, I was learning how to play guitar, so I was leading worship, you know, mm-hmm. I can sing a little, little. Uh-oh. Uh so I was I was helping lead worship, I was teaching Bible studies, I was doing I was all most, most in. End. Okay. <gasps> and but but again, one percent. And it doesn't matter what that one percent is for nope. you. No, nope. it, it, it matters what it represents. It represents a part of you that you haven't yielded to God. And so every once in a while, I want to have a bad day. I, you know, I wouldn't call my friends, my old party friends, let's go have a cigarette. Mm-hmm. I would just sneak off mm-hmm. with my cigarette, my gum, and my cologne. Yeah. <laughs> and you I kit? would And I would draw on that instead of the 99%. Okay. And eventually, I had a bad day. Girlfriend broke up with me, lost my job here at the school, and the devil said, the devil didn't bother me for two years. Cause you know when you're not all in, the devil ain't. The devil he ain't don't body. care. So he's got that little I hook. you. He's gonna let you come to church and give and do all the stuff, but he's got that one little. And he's patient. He
1: is patient.
0: Oh, he's, he's patient. And so he waits till that one month when I lost my girlfriend and and the job, and I, and I decided I decided to go draw on the one percent instead of the ninety nine, and I went and I smoked a cigarette, and that, that's when the devil came. He said, "Look what serving God got you." And the devil's crafty. He's tricky because in his in his lies he will embed just a little bit mm-hmm. of logic or mm-hmm. truth, and that's what gets you to mm-hmm. believe the lie. You know, because I was serving God. Yep. And that did happen to me. Yeah. But it, one didn't have anything to do with the other.
1: Yeah.
0: And he said, "You might as well just start drinking again." Mm. And then he and then he reminded me of my past. You're already smoking, or my present. Mm-hmm. So he reminded me of the hook that he had in. You're already smoking, so might as well start drinking again. And I did. And from there, uh, I worked at an escort service. I was selling drugs to prostitutes, driving them around, selling their bodies. You didn't know that part. I, I didn't think. know. I don't and know then, this man. And then uh, had guns pulled to my head. It, it, crazy. Um, but in that, in that, in that season of my life, um, you know, um, that's where my 21 uh, year old son came out of. Mm. And so, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He should follow me on Facebook more. I should. Uh,
1: I kind of so, went off of Facebook <laughs> for a little bit. You got you,
0: to social dilemma, you that whole know, thing. Yeah, that too, and it's uh, a little
1: dicey over there. I
0: know. So, so uh, I came. I finally, I got all the DWIs. I got my fourth DWI in September of 2002, fifth DWI in February of two thousand three, and then on May twenty first, the judge sentenced me to five years for each one of those. Mm. And, um, you know, my heart was so hard when I left, when I left Christianity and I say I left it, I walked away mm-hmm. after that two years of being almost all in 99%. Mm-hmm. And I said, at that point, I, I, I said, forget God, Christianity, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't try to hide my partying anymore. I didn't, I wasn't 50, 50 anymore. Mm-hmm. I was all in because I was all out. Mm-hmm. And the first time in my life that I'd given a hundred percent to something, it was the devil. And that's, that's when all these other tools yeah. were made available to me. When you go all in, you get tools made available to you that wasn't available at 50%, mm-hmm. wasn't even available at 99%. Yeah. And so, you know, all these things happened. And, uh, you know, and, and I got to a fight.
1: Now you talk about 9, nine in the morning.
0: Uh, yeah, 9 a.m. A.m., 9 a.m., yeah, yeah. And I, I, uh, I got into a fight with a black guy, and they tried to make it about race, and it wasn't. Um, but the unit I was on only had two correction officers that were not white, and they were, they were African American. And, and a lot of the other lieutenants, captains, all these had mason rings, and they were, mm. they were in all kinds of stuff. And they tried to make it about race, but it wasn't. And, um, but we got into a fight at 9 a.m., and I got locked up in solitary confinement. And, and uh, that first day in solitary confinement, everything stripped away, You're down to your boxers, I uh, hope that doesn't give anybody a bad image. But, uh, <laughs> so, but
1: let me ask you this, because that's one of my questions. It is you in a what did you say four by
0: six by nine, basically. Six, sorry, six I've probably said different measurements over the years, but it's you could touch you could touch the wall on either side, and then it's about nine ten feet
1: long that way. So for is this this is twenty three out of twenty four hours? Yes, of, of the day. Yep. And nothing. There's nothing. 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 Books.
0: Nope. Not when you're in trouble like that if you if you eventually go to court and get you can start getting all the stuff back, mm-hmm. but my whole time in there was was pretty much they let me have a Bible after the second or third day because I asked for one i didn't I don't know I don't know why, mm-hmm. but one of the things I wanted to mention was that once i I left Christianity and started rejecting all that, mm-hmm. I started growing in the devil
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you can grow in the Lord yeah but we don't talk about how we can grow in the devil. You can. And by the time that sentence was read in the courtroom, my my, my dad and sisters were crying. Mm -hmm. My heart was so hard and I was so strong in the devil that the tears of my family did not even move me. Mm. And so, and then even though it wasn't about race, Mm -hmm. the fight that I had, Mm -hmm. I was saying things that had never even stayed for a second in my mind. We grew up in South Dallas. We grew up in in Hampton, Illinois, Mm -hmm. South Oak Cliff. We grew up where our neighborhood did not look like our Mm schoolroom, And I always wondered why. And so, but for the first time in my life, because the devil started making tools to me that I'd I'd never used before, Mm -hmm. he said, start calling this guy names. Mm. I started calling him names. Names that guys don't like to hear. uh, Names that African-Americans don't like to Mm -hmm. hear. And I, and I began just until he finally just hauled off and hit me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't blame him because mm-hmm. at that moment, I like to tell people, no matter all the bad things I've ever done, that moment when I was talking that way to that person was the lowest moment mm-hmm. in my whole life. I've never, before then or since then, ever uttered words so mean to anybody in my life. And I, and I hope one day... That we we run into each other. Yeah, I would love to be able to apologize to him for the wow. things that that I said, but but that that's what started the eight days. And every day I had a conversation with God, and it was just so cool. The first day was so quiet. 9 a.m. was so quiet because I was just like,
1: "What do you do?" Like that's my question. Like what what does that feel like? What does what happens in your mind? What?
0: Well, I'm there with short time, so the first thing I'm thinking of is, am I going to lose my chance to make parole?
1: Mm.
0: And that guy had already made parole.
1: Okay.
0: I mean, he was going home. Mm -hmm. He had an FI-4. He was going home in three months, and they took his parole away. Mm. But I hadn't even even come up for parole yet. But I was like, man, you know, and and the officers were like, when they were walking me to my cell, they were like, you could have broken that dude in half. He's half your size. I'm like, I'm just trying to go home, Mm -hmm. you know. And and immediately the the regret from the things that I said to him and the caused him to, to to hit me and regret and guilt and shame just started flooding me. But then when I got in the cell and I'm I'm just like it was it was the only time I was ever in a cell sober. I mean other than getting into prison
1: yeah. coming into
0: prison. But all the other times when I first go to jail or to a to a solitary confinement cell, I'm I'm drunk. I'm, I'm detoxing.
1: Okay, and I know you have yours. I have so many questions. Okay, because. I don't think I even have thought about that. The things that are habits or addictions, once you're there, once you're in a a place where you don't have access to that, it could, what does that effect like? It can, and people, whether cocaine or crack or marijuana or whatever, ecstasy pills or whatever, like your body and your your senses react to that. And so that has um, an effect on your.
0: Yeah, there, and what, what? what got me through county jail with, with all the draws I had in county jail from being arrested that last time was uh, was I was actually smuggling cigarettes into the county jail. Mm-hmm. And so that would alleviate a lot of the symptoms or the withdrawal symptoms that I was having. But once I got to prison and I wasn't serving the Lord, every day was just like, Rrr. I was just, you know, you could tell this guy doesn't have what he used to having out in the world.
1: And is that taken into, I mean, I'm going to sound, it's going to sound like a dumb question, but... Those things aren't taken into account from a rehabilitation point of view when people come in. Not in prison. And they've been strung out for years, and then it's just like, but then you are.
0: Our criminal criminal justice system, from the judicial side to the prison to parole, is zero rehabilitation. They're not. They're not about rehabilitation. It's all about money.
1: Okay, so.
0: And Brian Stevenson, Equal Justice Initiative in Alabama. Yeah says the best there will never be true criminal justice reform because there's too much money involved
1: this said and i know that that so there are people there are programs and i know you've you've talked to tons of people who this is their life's work to yeah. bring attention to the necessity of rehabilitation yeah. but it's such an impo- an impossible situation what do we expect like what do we expect and then when people, if by some miracle you do get out, it's like it's a system waiting yeah, for you to yeah. to, to return. And, and,
0: and because there's money involved, it's a business. And a lot of people talk about the bad private prisons, but actually the state prisons are the largest for-profit prison in the state. Hmm. And they they are they're making money off the private prisons. And so Representative Carl Sherman said it best. He said uh, he's on episode uh, I think fifteen. I saw that one. yeah. And so he said it best. He says, you know. He goes, we wouldn't even punish our dog, you know, by putting it in a cage in our garage in the summertime. But yet we do that with humans and call it rehabilitation, you know. Mm -hmm. And even Carla said it when, Mm -hmm. I think she said it on on the episode she was on. She said, when we just shove these people into the doors and into the cages and call that rehabilitation, that's not rehabilitation at all. Now, there are a lot of good volunteer groups that go in, that get approved to go in, that are doing a lot of good. And they're the reason... That, that good is happening yeah uh, and we follow and those those organizations follow up with them when they get out of prison but but parole I mean I can tell you time after time after time how I don't work with parole to make productive citizens I work against them yeah I'm always calling them say why can't why can't my my parolee go take the trash out
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: why can't he go to the garage why can't he do this and 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 I advocate for them, and and maybe one day on a on a larger level, larger scale, well, I'll be able to advocate even more yeah. legislatively. But but uh, but it's it's not. You take away all the volunteer programs that are going in now, you take it away. Our prison system is zero has zero rehabilitative elements to it. <sighs> Only punitive.
1: Only punitive. So okay, can you talk a little bit about disparities in the prison system as far as. Um, Sentencing or convictions, and I'm hearing about that a lot, just when it relates to African American people and non-African American people. Yeah,
0: you know, I've had the the, the privilege mm-hmm. of because of my choices to be on the 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 other side of the criminal justice system, not the one that you learn about in the in a criminal justice degree. Mm-hmm. Okay, these people love their stats and they love their. Degree their criminal justice degree, but they have never actually been on the other side of it to yeah. know what w- whether what the books are saying are actually true. It's true. And I have five DWIs. Mm-hmm. We have guys that apply to our house. The One, forgiven
1: felons. Forgiven uh, felons. We have a, we
0: have transitional house, and we've had a, a, a Latino guy and a black guy, and they both have the same exact record as me. Mm-hmm. They have five DWIs. No other charges. No other drugs. No nothing. And they are both doing ninety nine years. I, you know, so there's some there's some disparity there. Yeah. Okay, um, we just had a parole lawyer, Texas parole lawyer David O'Neill, on mm-hmm. uh, last episode, and and he'll he'll tell you. He yeah. talks about the racial disparity back in the fifties and sixties. He yeah. said the the blacks got some big numbers back then, and he's yeah. and then he said they're still getting them now too. Mm-hmm. Um, the early Early nineties, you know, uh, Reagan, Bush and Clinton, all three had these crime bills mm-hmm. that, that were just devastating to, uh, African-American fathers. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people don't understand is the, the crime bills that, that were happening when you were first born,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there was the same cocaine was in the hood
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in the, in the penthouse, mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the, in the rich folk neighborhood. The same cocaine, but it was in different form. Right. Crack cocaine mm-hmm. and powder cocaine. Mm-hmm. The same drug carried two different sentencings. The drug that the, the black people use mm-hmm. carried a longer sentence. Yep. The drug that the white people, rich white people use, or and it, it's not always, most of the time it's about the racial yeah. disparity, but sometimes it's about class. Right. Because there yeah, are some... Makes- yeah, there, it, sometimes it's called class privilege, mm-hmm. uh, because even some African Americans that have a wealthy family can can bail out of jail mm-hmm. and get a good lawyer and get the same, you know. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the early crime bills in the in the early '80s did did force our criminal justice systems, and that goes right along, right alongside back in back, you know, when the slaves were freed. Yeah. And now you have all these hundreds of thousands of free slaves. Mm-hmm. Homeless. And what is our what does our law do? They start making vagrancy laws. They start making they start making. and if you want to watch the I don't wanna get I guess stuff uh, the 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 uh, the thirteenth amendment mm-hmm. legalized slavery that still exists in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that it still exists. Mm-hmm. Legalized slavery still exists in the state of Texas. And that's what the Thirteenth amendment is all about. But the here's the here's the. Hold
1: on, let's take a pause. Let's take a pause. Can you? We're here. Okay. Welcome to a three hour edition of off the record. You're still today. You're saying still today, it exists.
0: Yes, because the Thirteenth Amendment is written in the way that it says it, it abolished all. It freed all the slaves, and the only the only legal slavery left. This is in the our Thirteenth Amendment mm-hmm. says with an exception of if you are charged with a crime and put in jail or prison, then you're a legal slave, okay? So all, all they had to do back then was all these free slaves, they had to just come up with a crime to arrest them. Now they put them back in a system and and, and even um, Senator Sherman talked about it, mm-hmm. convict leasing. Mm-hmm. Now the system leases these convicts, the freed slaves that, that just got arrested for vagrancy and loitering, mm-hmm. leases them back to the plantation owners that they just got freed from. Now, that's our history. But let's get biblical. Can we get biblical? Please, the Jay sins, Ann? the sins of the, the sins of the father have passed how many generations? Lots. And so for us, for us to, for people, whether they have a political agenda or whatever, for people to say that that racism doesn't exist or systemic racism doesn't exist, um, and they want to quote stats. Stats don't tell all the stories. They tell part of a story, but stats don't tell all the stories. And the reason I know that is because of my own personal life. Before we had Jesselyn, we had three miscarriages. We had one. Two at 10 weeks old and one at 20 weeks old. Yep. Everybody tried to console us in the first miscarriage. Not everybody, but a few people Mm -hmm. came and said, Oh, it's okay. You know, 30% of all pregnancies end in miscarriages anyway. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs)
0: They wanted to throw stat at us while we were hurting. While While we were hurting.
1: I want to jump off this chair. Talk! (laughs) Sorry! Can you still see me? Okay.
0: And... While the stat was true, the stat was not false. It had no relevance to the hurt that I was going through. And it didn't tell my story either because we had another miscarriage. And then we had a 20-week-old stillborn. And then we had two kids. And then we had another miscarriage. That's way more than 30%. So your stats might tell part of the story, but it didn't tell my story. Uh, and and you know when it comes to systemic racism, what a lot of people don't understand is that some racism in our judicial system, or I mean in our criminal justice system, mm-hmm. never make it to a stat. Okay. Okay. Talk what about I it. mean by that is, in some smaller towns, smaller towns, not the big cities, but smaller towns, there may be some good old boy police mm-hmm. officers uh, that are good old boys with the 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 white the white kids having a party. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that might be committing crimes that the neighbors call and say, I think there's something going on to come out. And because of the good old boy, the white, the white, it doesn't get, it doesn't get, they don't get charged. Okay. But in that same town, if there was a black person that committed the crime, they might get arrested. Mm-hmm. That arrest is a stat is now. A stat. The other one did not get arrested. So the stat doesn't get evened even out, even it. though, even though the, That was a crime Mm -hmm. that was committed that was not arrested, Mm -hmm. okay? So now it looks like this black person and the white person who committed the same crime, it looks like the black ones commit more because they got arrested and it's a stat now. But the racism that happened between the white cop and the white, so that happens a lot more than people know. And that's why why stats only tell part of the story. So, But now listen, I only know this because I've been on the other side of the system. Yes, yes. All right? So I, I try to encourage everybody not to talk like they're an expert or a professional about one side of the system that they've never that experienced. That you've never
1: experienced. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex. I'm clapping and yelling. I don't know what that's doing to your microphone, but this man is speaking.
0: But here's the thing. You know, Will Ford said it best in in on Sunday morning. Yes, he did. The radical gap. You know, and I've had some stones thrown at me because... You know, some of my closest friends from a long time ago, mm-hmm. oh, it looks like you lean a little left now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, I don't lean left. I don't lean right. I lean to the cross.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because at the cross, he was, he was crucified between two criminals. Two criminals. And so I lean to the cross. So if I think there's some things that I could apply from the cross to this specific arena, then it doesn't matter whether you're right or left. It's, it's about Jesus. And if you're telling your radical left story and your radical right story without Jesus and the cross, I mean, a lot of people like to separate politics and religion, but no, I think they're meshed. Yeah. Yes. They have to be They have meshed. to be.
1: Politics and religion, mental illness and religion, all of it. Yep. The Bible has something to say about all of it. What well, will force He was like, it's not, being on the far left is not radical. Being on the far right, it's radical here.
0: In the middle. These
1: conversations, yeah. these relationships are radical. Okay, Um. so many things. You, forgiven felons, you have a home. Two. Two homes. Home I.
0: Homey. Homey.
1: <laughs> That's the plural of home. You have two homes that you, you are the solution. You are a part of the solution. Robert said it in the last one, when he did the Howard Thurman quote, he was yes. saying, you you know, your prayers, the effectiveness of your prayers is dependent upon how willing you are to be a part of yes. the solution. And you Jaden are doing that. So forgiving felons house houses.
0: Homes. Yeah. You know, I was in prison and, and two of the guys that mentored me, I told you I was myself discipled first. Right. And then I, Those guys got out of prison.
1: And then what happened? And
0: then, so I'm discipling, and all of a sudden, I'm like, man, y'all go kick the butt, change Uh the world. And then I hear about a year later, before I even make parole, they're back in. Back in. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I was like, okay, God, what in the world? Because you anointed them to mentor me, Mm -hmm. and my anointed mentors did not make it. Mm -hmm. So how am I going to make it? And he said, I'm going to give you this dream. And as long as you pursue this dream, you'll never come back in this capacity. And that was code language that I understood because the first book I read in prison Mm -hmm. was a book called The Dream Giver.
1: Mm.
0: And so and it was about a boy, ordinary, lived in the land of familiar. You know, his dad didn't pursue his dream, so he was stuck there. and, And it was just talking about pursuing your dream. And so I knew that I had to pursue this dream as long as I pursued that dream. And I almost gave up on it five years in, out of prison, we didn't have any money to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing was coming up. I was searching. And Pastor and Becky took, said, said uh, I want you and me to come to this compassion conference in, in, in Louisiana. I said, okay, cool. Okay. And it was a compassion conference. So all the speakers there had churches that had compassion ministries. And, of course, at that time we had Hope Mansion. Yes. So that's why they were there. He said, but I want you to hear. And, and a guy named Bill Shear Guts Church, Oklahoma, was up there. And he said, some of you out there are about to give up on your dream. And he said, "You've been waiting five years," and it was 2007 was when we started forgiving felons, mm-hmm. and 2012 was his conference, mm-hmm. January to January, five years exactly.
1: That raise your antenna. And, oh. and
0: yeah, and Pastor Hissy looked down at me too, <laughs> and and so he said, "But don't give up, don't give up, because it's about to happen." Mm-hmm. And and even in that same month, January 2012, uh, one of one of the prayer pastors here at the church uh, gave gave a prophetic word to a bunch of people at a conference and. And I wasn't able to make it, so she wrote mine on a piece of paper, and it said, "It said, I see God's gifted you with the ability to teach, but not like a teacher in front of a classroom. Information, teaching people to break old mindsets mm. and 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 destroy foundations. That, and they said, but the thing is that those foundations weren't built overnight, so you got to be patient. Yeah, and, and I hate being patient. Me too. I honk at red lights, green lights, yellow <laughs> lights, all the lights. All the lights. And so, so the last thing she said was. Be patient. The big dream will come together soon. And that was January 2012, the conference day. And February, second week of February, I get a call from a guy that says, Hey, I buy duplexes and let ministries use them. Would you like to try this? And I said, sure. And that's, you know, oh, so he, had, he bought the house. It was a duplex. He fixed it all up and everything. And uh, and so now we, we're, we're an approved housing for forgive our for, uh, for TDCJ, Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and we get guys. You know, we, we pretty much stay full. We went through a year where we didn't have very many guys, mm-hmm. um, but but we're full now. And yeah. um, and we just help these guys get back on prison. Uh, you can watch the documentary about our ministry. Yes, that's on Roku TV or Tubi TV, whichever yes. one you use. Uh, you can watch all three episodes, and it shares some of the impact stories of guys that have come through our ministry. And um, you can, that's that's what we do. Now we're in the middle of. Upgrading. Okay. So we're, we're, we're going to open up a resource center. We don't want to just help the ones that we house, we want to help the whole Metroplex. Okay. So if, if you look at our website, the current plans is, is our future plans, but it's what we're raising money for right now. We've already talked to a contractor, got a budget for the building, the build, we're working on blueprints, and it's going to be a resource center, it's going to be a one stop shop for everybody coming out of prison. Vocational trade, training, um, food, clothes, hygiene, one stop shop. When we get out of prison, we have to go to 15 different places yeah. to get everything we need. Recently. And sometimes yeah. you can't do that with an ankle monitor. So we're going to make a one-stop shop, Ugh. teach them leadership, teach them financial literacy, teach them all this stuff. And so so that's – and then one day, our third phase is we're going to buy apartment complex.
1: Come on, are you so. big ballers out there. This is And ForgivenFelons.org. Yep. Is that right? Yep. And they have all the information there, the links for the documentaries, what they do, the mission work. The, the podcast.
0: The you, podcast, watch, you watch the podcast from the website as well.
1: Which has the dopest podcast music I've ever heard in my life. I don't know why he didn't ask me to be on it, but no. <laughs> it is amazing. He's had conversations with he, what we're doing here. He's, he's doing over there. And so what else? What aren't you doing?
0: Uh, are you, you sleeping yeah you every married? once in a while every okay. once in a while you know we have our little uh whatever you need done business that we created that we help guys you know that, that get out and as soon as soon as they get out they don't have jobs right away so they can help they can help me do part-time jobs right now we're doing Christmas lights come on so uh so I'll have them helping me do Christmas lights um you know and, and me and Jess and me are just we're we're pu- pushing forward uh we have Jesselyn and Gemma yeah seven and well, seven, about to be eight, uh-huh. and then Jim is six. They're both in school. I mean, uh, sports and cheerleading. Choose.
1: Don't, don't do not do both. Choose. They can do it all. Whatever they want to do, we support them. Absolutely. And then you did like a – was it a North Texas Giving Day? You that, guys raised – Yeah,
0: one – one. We uh, every year we participate in North Texas Giving Day, and, and we raised the most amount of money, almost $25,000, and that thanks to all y'all. Um And and we're still raising money for that cause. That's for our resource center. So we're trying to raise as much money as we can to put down. Uh, And so so if they want to do that, they can can do that as well. And so we gave away a car. Yes. We give away a car every year. Every year we're going to give away a car. I don't know Mm -hmm. how we're going to do it, but so far – you know, that car, that past car was given to us earlier in the year this year. Yeah. So we're like, we're ahead of the game. Yeah. Last year we were scrambling. Yeah. And somebody said, here's $2,000 to go buy a car. So we went and bought a car and we didn't get it to like the day mm-hmm. of. And so, but we, we've determined we're going to give away a car every year. So if anybody has a car, they want to donate and, and be a part of that. <sighs> Daniel, the guy we gave it to? Yes. Got arrested at 15.
1: Mm.
0: Spent a year in juvenile county jail. Then, got charged for the crime, spent, spent, uh, or was being tried as an adult in uh, in Harris County Court when he was 16, and then at mm-hmm. 17, 17 he got sentenced to 40 years, um, for for the for his crime, mm-hmm. and he just got out. Mm-hmm. He's 47. He did 30 years straight. My
1: goodness.
0: And so and you guys uh, gave
1: him a car,
0: and we gave him a car. And It was so funny, but it was great too because. He didn't know we were giving it to him, but he knew we had the he he knew the ministry had the car. And I said, Hey, are you, you got to you know, you gotta get your license, right?
1: Wait, this is the same one from the Facebook Yes. So here's the thing. I I was I felt like I was looking at that video, cause you did you announce it in that video? Yeah. I knew I announced but what am I trying to say? I saw that he got his license and yeah. you guys were in a parking lot.
0: That was the week before he got his license. And then and then the very next Thursday he didn't. He he thought we were giving it away to somebody in the community because I kept saying. That's what
1: I. Th- I thought you were going to do it in that video. I was like, there's no way Jay Dan is going to be telling all no, these people no, about no. his license. No. You gave him the car. And so
0: we gave him the car. And so, but we let him drive the te- do his test. Do the test
1: drive. He was like, yeah, it drives great. Yeah.
0: And so we ended up giving him the car. And I had all the guys in the house play it up really good. They were like, they were like, can you believe that? Sorry, Jay Dan, going to give that car to somebody else. He should give it to you. And they were playing it all good. They were they, we, And I'm we sure he them. was just
1: as sweet as he wanted to he be, was, like, he understanding. Really was. yeah. Y'all, this is good ground. I, there's so much more. You need to go to ForgivenFelons.org for all of the information. Check out the podcast. Check out the documentary. I'm just so grateful. And let me just say to you, I – we don't talk a whole, whole, whole lot. We kind of check in and in the hallways and all that. I appreciate you and your family so much, the light that you are um, – You don't, you don't smell like smoke. (laughs) It's a, it's a, it's a fiery furnace type of testimony. I would have never known looking at your older pictures. That's not, there's no way to me. You've always been holy and righteous and acceptable unto the Lord. It's a reasonable service, but I, I, the God's grace on you and your family is, is incredible. And I just appreciate you as my friend and my brother for doing this, but for doing life so well with the Lord.
0: Well, thank Thank you. you. And we appreciate you because you touch a lot more people than you know, and you minister. You don't just lead worship, you minister. And, um, and I, I don't know if one day God will reveal to you how many hearts you touch and how many things are broken off because of how you, how you handle your anointing and lead people in worship. Um, But, you know, you're pretty awesome, too.
1: I love you so much. Thank you. A miss. All right. This is another edition of Off the Record. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you later. Bye.
0: Wow. I, I loved that interview. It was so much fun. Hey, listen, if you get a chance, go to Trinity Church Cedar Hill YouTube channel, and you can see every episode of Off the Record. With Naya. I just had so much fun. A couple things that really stood out from our conversation was, number one, uh, when she was talking about many languages, that I speak a lot of languages. And honestly, I only speak English. <laughs> but I knew what she was talking about, you know, and, and it made me think the way we learn a language is, is we are immersed in the culture and surrounded by people that talk that same language. I, I speak the language that I speak because of my upbringing. I was raised, reared in a, an English-speaking home, and, and a lot of my southern twang or whatever I have, whatever you call this, is because that's the way I learned how to speak language. We learn from our family. We learn other languages by practicing and learning the nuances of that language, when I took a Spanish course in college, he didn't just have us re- recite the words. He actually told us, you know, why this is said this way, why the, the verb and the subject are, are backwards and everything sounds like a question. And, you know, we, we had to learn all the little things of the language. You know, uh, have you ever been to a foreign country and, and you didn't speak the language? I've been to Tijuana before. Did you get frustrated when you couldn't speak the language enough to get around? What about the others? Did did they get frustrated when you spoke louder, thinking that they would understand you if you just spoke your version of that language at a higher decibel? I found the best thing to do when I was in Tijuana was to find a local who speaks the language and my language and ask him to help me navigate correctly. I mean, I know what a street looks like. I know what the street signs Restaurants, stores—I mean, I, I knew all the what all the things look like, but if I don't speak the language, it's hard for me to make progress in that city. And if you haven't been around the culture of our criminal justice system yet, you try to speak the language like you know what you're talking about. It can cause confusion and frustration for others. You know, before you start spouting off stout uh, stats that you know are true, get with someone who speaks the language, who's been there on the side that you can only talk about, on those back roads of Tijuana, you know, where the map don't show you, but the local will say, here, here's a shortcut. Here's here's what it really means. Get with someone who's been on the other side in those back roads. It'll help you see it from both sides and help you articulate your beliefs much better the last thing the other thing I want to talk about was the scars you know God and Jesus both decided that it was good to leave the scars in his hands God and Jesus in his hands his side his feet and visible for all to see the scars of our past tell a story someone needs to hear about your scars someone needs to hear your story for themselves when, when Thomas saw Jesus' uh, scars in his hand and side, he was a changed man. Someone out there is waiting to be transformed through your transparency. No, you don't have to go shout every detail of your story from the mountaintops, but don't hold back when God sets you up with those divine appointments. You never know sharing your scars with someone might help you grow too. Hmm. Well, it's Friday, November 6th, and we still don't know who our next president is. But this is what I do know. God is not sitting up there in heaven going, oh, crap, I did not see this coming. God knows exactly what he needs for this next season, and he can accomplish his plan no matter who is in the White House. Will you trust him? I do. You know what? Let's pray right now about the election. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for Naya. We thank you for her show off the record. We ask you to bless her, bless all the guests, bless that show, but let it thrive and just let it be awesome even like it is right now. Father, we we thank you for all the topics we got to discuss, religion, politics, scars, languages. Father, we thank you for the scars of our life some scars some people don't have very big scars some people like me have a lot of big scars but lord show us how to use those scars for your uh, advancement in your kingdom father we lift up our current president we lift up our uh, possible president-elect joe biden and, and kamala harris lord we lift up this election process we ask you to to, to take care of it, intervene. Lord, we don't know what's going on. We don't know how close the race is. Uh, but, Lord, we just know you can, you can have your way. And, Lord, I know that whoever's in the White House, you allow it. So we lift that next president up, whether it's Trump or Biden. We lift them up to you. And we say we trust you with our country. I know you need our country to to fall on our knees and humble ourselves and pray. And I'm praying we do that too. We pray for protection for our country during this time. We just command riots and looting to cease and not happen. And we just speak love and life over all of us and protection. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, you guys have a great weekend. Don't forget to try Audible. Audible has all audiobooks, has podcasts, has health and, and well-being uh, things you can listen to. They have way more than just audiobooks. I'm doing, a, in fact, I'm doing a devotion right now called Move. It's for men and it's great. Uh, so go to audibletrial.com slash background check. That's audibletrial.com slash background check. Remember, if you listen on Apple, please rate us and review us. Have a great weekend and be nice. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm Jaden Gum, and this has been Background Check.